Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Business Insights, a podcast series brought to you by Annex Business Media and MNP, one of Canada's leading national consulting firms. My name is Paul Grossinger, and I am the Director of Content at Annex Business Media, Canada's largest B2B media company. Today, I am honored to speak with Jason Lee and Paul Witherow from MNP, who will be sharing their thoughts on technology and how emerging trends such as automation, artificial intelligence, and cloud computing are helping Canadian businesses navigate current economic conditions. Jason and Paul, welcome to Business Insights. Uh, Paul, why don't we start with you? Why don't you just say your name and your role at MNP? Sure, I'm uh, Paul Witherow and I'm a partner. I lead our customer platforms practice and I'm also the uh, technology innovation leader. Uh, Jason, can you just say your name and what your role is at MNP? Sure, hey, good morning, uh, Jason Lee. I'm a partner here at MNP. I lead the uh, Center of Excellence for Applied Data, which includes uh, your data engineering, ML, AI, BI, and analytics groups. Jason, I'll start with you. The last year has been different for, for Canadian businesses. When you look back from a high level perspective of the last year, what role has technology played in sort of uh, your discussions with clients? Yeah, I mean, I can almost, if, if you were to take it up to the 50,000 foot level, you can almost put it into two buckets, right? You've got the customers that said, hey, we're going to take this opportunity to really um, innovate and try to leapfrog ahead of their competition um, by leveraging technology. And then you've got the others that are like, you know, their, their business either really suffered or slowed down and they're in a, in a defense mode and they're like all about protecting their, their, their investments and their assets. And so they were doing hardening or using technology to kind of protect what they already had. So you, you, you run the full gamut there and everything in between. And Paul, I'm going to ask you the same thing. You mentioned that you talk to, to CTOs. I, I assume that's part of what you do. And, and uh, so what kind of reaction has, has CTOs or the, that C-suite have given you when it comes to technology over the last year? Yeah, I, I think there is, uh, just to build on to uh, Jason's uh, comments, I think there is a realization though that, um, that a lot of the newer cloud technologies and digital applications are here to stay. And so I think we will see accelerated adoption. So that's part of the discussion is just the, an acceptance of where we're at, right? Uh, including uh, remote work to some extent, right? So we have seen some big shifts and that's part of the dialogue and part of the, uh, the response to uh, the last year. Right, and Paul, I know we discussed this in our last, but we'll go over it today again, just because the theme today is technology and going forward, right? When people talk about digital transformation, I assume that means different things to different people, uh, depending on where they are in their business. Can you talk a bit about sort of the meaning of digital tr transformation and what people should think about when they hear that term? Yeah, and I mean, uh, it, it can digital transformation or the, even the word digital can take on a lot of different terms uh, or meanings. Um, you know, at, at its heart, it's, uh, it's taking your data and uh, and making sure that you use uh, some of the newer newest or new modern technologies uh, to do your business processes and interact with your clients, right? So uh, we're talking about uh, every time you use your your iPhone to do work, uh, that's sort of part of your digital journey, right? Uh, or go onto a website and order something, 
or uh, or pull up a report uh, that tells you what the trend is for buying patterns that day in your your stores, right? So I see, Jason. I'll throw that question out to you. Uh, the term digital transformation means a lot of things for different people. What do you tell clients or businesses about what that should mean to them? Yeah. So it. it, it like Paul said, it, it, it's super broad and it can mean so many different things to so many people. And, and that's a good thing, you know, and it, it's important to understand where the customer is coming from, right? So sometimes when, when you speak with a customer, digital transformation to them is about the customer experience, right? Um, I, think, I think at its essence, it is the customer experience at the end of the day that you're trying to change. For me, you know, I work a lot with the data and we always hear that data is the new oil or, or the new gold or it's king. Um, I always like to explain it that digital transformation does take place from that, that point and then moves from kind of, let's say, if, you, if data was on the left side, left to right, it's what can you do with the data that you have right now, right? All the big companies like Google and Amazon, they know exactly what to do with the data and they want your data too. But what we want to do is help customer A or X figure out what to do with their data, right? And then once you figure out what to do with the data, so, you know, whether it's that's a single source of truth or making data-driven decisions, once you get that, you can start to move over to what Paul said, modernizing apps, right? Changing what the customer experience looks like. Um, and you kind of move left to right that way. I see. And I guess this takes me to my next question, sort of, I guess a lot of of businesses had uh, we look at their business model over the last year and what that is. Um, and Jason, can you talk about sort of as people have looked at that model and 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 many have changed it or are in the process of of changing their business model? What role does technology play in in that in terms of what their business model looks like and might look like in the future? Yeah, um, you know we're always trying to work with customers, you know, to to meet their end business objectives and goals, right? And the important thing is there's so many flavor of the month, flavor of the day, technology things, and, and people latch onto those things and executives think, hey, I need to, I need to be doing AI and ML in order to be um, competitive with my competition. But then when you start to peel away the, the layers of that onion, you realize, hey, you don't even have the data to be able to do that, right? So like, let's step back a bit. So it's, it's really figuring out what technology we should be leveraging for a specific customer, not just, you know, everyone's doing this, so I should be doing that, right? So like, you know, that, that whole hype cycle, where do you want to be on that hype cycle? I always tell customers, it's fine to be a fast follower, just make sure you do it really well. We do a lot of POCs, Paul and I, for customers, right? And that, that's a great thing because that lets you test the waters. But what's super important about if you're going to do a POC is have a follow through plan because if it dies at the POC stage, you just wasted a lot of time, right? If, if that POC goes to production and scale after, now you're starting to really, you know, do something that's innovative and going to make a, an impact to your business. Paul, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I just think, uh, I mean, most immediately, I think folks are trying to adjust to or have adjusted by now uh, to the work from home or work from anywhere sort of philosophy, right? And uh, and that's evolving into work uh, any when. <laughs> so, uh, and I, I mean, that's not a new phenomenon. Obviously, I think there was, what, 10% of businesses already had 
that kind of setup and capability. But that was, I think that's, uh, that's part of the hardening, but also part of the uh, just uh, setting themselves up for success in the future. I think it, it actually speaks well to how business models might change as well uh, moving forward, right? But part of that business model change is just how you supply your resources and, and your effort. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, uh, in general, uh, we probably haven't seen uh, all the change that's uh, set to change. Uh, you know, we're, we're seeing the tip <laughs> and it's funny for us, it feels like there's been a lot, but uh, you know, we're even today, we're, we're dealing with new things uh, that you go, wow, okay, this could be something that really uh, upends in an industry, right? So. And Paul, uh, we talked about this before in terms of technology uh, investment. And so did you find that most companies over the last year, they started focusing on technology with remote workforce and, and internal processes first and then move to their thought to technology and supply chain and customer experience? Or did they have to look at technology in all three just to survive and thrive? It was all 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 the yeah often all the yeah and, uh, it depended sort of where they were postured uh, most immediately some some were really in crisis mode uh but a lot of them had to had to uh you know uh hop and skip and and chew gum at the same time so uh and and like jason said some of them actually uh kind of huddled and uh pulled back on some of their investments that they were moving long on uh, just to be able to, uh, you know, a manage cash flow potentially, but also just uh, have all all power to the to the uh, front shields, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so yeah, we saw all sorts of uh, responses to it. Uh, Jason, I'll let you chime in on that as well in terms of were people prioritizing where their technology investment should be? Yeah, I, I would agree with Paul that it was kind of a, a a mixture of all three, and depending on the kind of the 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 vertical that they were in they would prioritize differently, right? Um, so like you can imagine retail took a huge hit the last year. Um, and so their focus really was, wasn't was on the customer experience because everything was shut down there. Um, theirs was on how do we keep the distribution centers open and, and running still and getting the supply in there, right? Because um, they were having that huge problem. Um, banks, slow moving giant Titanic ships, right? Um, you know, that, you know, when, whenever we had a conversation more than a year ago about what's your cloud strategy going to be, they were like, oh, that's years away. Guess what? They, they, they maneuvered pretty quickly to get their entire team, you know, working remotely and working on that remote desktop and, and, and cloud solutions. It, it was a matter of weeks that they were able to do that. So um, <laughs> as long as the, the, the fire there to get things started, um, you, you some amazing things happened in the last year, for sure, from a technology perspective. I see. And now to talk about uh, technology specifically, one of the questions we asked in the survey was, what business initiatives and investments are you considering over the past 12 months? Our first survey we did pre-COVID, 17% said they were planning to introduce automation into their business. In the second survey, 29% said they were about to, uh, they wanted to introduce automation. Um, Jake Neeson, when you look at those numbers, are you surprised that in the second survey more didn't want automation or is there still some thoughts in terms of what that might mean for, your, for every company? I think people want to do it. Um, I think because there's so much uncertainty still and, and things kind of, you know, if I, if I look at it from, from my personal per perspective of, of how the pandemic affected me, 
you know, it's, it's almost like one step forward, two steps back. And, and we keep playing this dance because, you know, MMP has been doing a lot of work in, in, in COVID-19 uh, initiatives as well. And we see the data, it's, it's constantly changing. We've got to adapt to it and, and adjust to it. And I think while, while the motivation is there to kind of automate a lot of stuff, and it makes a lot of sense to do that, um, people are hesitant to, you know, go, go kind of all in on it. For sure. And Paul, are you finding that as well in terms of the whole idea of automation? It sounds great and it sounds interesting and it's probably a good business process or investment to make. You know, I, I do think um, automation, uh, again, automation can mean a bunch of things, but, uh, uh, and, and generally automation, you can get some low hanging fruit, but if you really want to get uh, disruptive or, or really make gains on it, uh, like Jason said, you have to understand your data and your data has to be uh, has to be clean. It has to flow properly. And I hate to say, it, but a lot of companies don't have that down, right? So the ability to actually automate and whether that means put in a new system, whether it's a financial system or not, uh, it really comes down to your data and your integrations, right? And and th that's what I find when I've done large strategies for enterprises, uh, uh, they'll ask me, why are you worrying about reports? And I'll say, I'm not worrying about your reports. I'm trying to get a sense of your data and how it flows. And they'll say, well, why does that matter, <laughs> right? And you have to explain that that's what really makes things tick, right? So, right, right. I, I think Paul, uh, you mentioned the whole idea of uh, cloud-based solutions. Has the last year pushed that forward? I've, I don't think we're new to the cloud-based solutions. I think a lot of companies don't re realize what the cloud is, like yeah. internet or Salesforce or whatever it might be, right? Um, has has there been a, a willingness to sort of adopt the cloud more because of this? Yeah, I, I, yes, so definitely. Uh, all the all the real responses in many ways have relied on cloud technology, uh, partly because. Uh, um, you know, the on-premise world or on-site world, uh, people just weren't able to do it uh, in the same manner, right? But, you know, there's a major mind shift that has to happen when you adopt the cloud. Um, and, it, and surprisingly, it's not about security, actually. Security often is um, even enhanced, right? But uh, the mind shift is one where you typically do, um, you take a low-code approach, uh, which is not off, often what businesses or organizations think about when they're putting out these large enterprise applications and often you're you're jumping onto a platform that kind of will evolve as other as as they invest in the platform right so all of a sudden you're not just uh, a party of one you're all of a sudden in a marriage with uh, thousands or millions of your of, of other colleagues or other companies that are like you right so there's a pretty big mind shift that way um, if you can adopt it then you know back back in the uh, traditional mindset where you do an upgrade every two or three years. Well, here you're doing upgrades every month, potentially, right? Um, and it, it changes everything about your tempo and your cadence and how you think about uh, adding new technologies or capabilities onto your platform. Um, so anyways, there's, there's a pretty significant shift in the cloud. Uh, just to answer your question again, you know, uh, uh, when they needed uh, a new uh, COVID-19 app, it was done in the cloud, right? Uh, when they needed to throw up new uh, e-commerce capabilities, invariably it was done with cloud technology. So that's what we've really seen is that acceptance that cloud cloud first makes a lot of sense. Right. Uh, 
Adrian, I'll, I'll throw that to you in terms of the cloud. What's your experience been over the last year with your clients about cloud discussions? Is there a willingness? Is it just speed up their adoption of the cloud because of all this? Definitely, definitely a speed up in terms of um, adoption or, or, or plans and, and strategies that are starting to form. Um, they're starting to accelerate that. Um, I think customers need to go in eyes wide open, like Paul said, that there's a lot of things that need to shift here. Um, cloud does have tons of benefits, but you need to kind of go in eyes wide open, right? Because there's a cost implication here, but that cost is offset by other things, right? Like you don't need as many infrastructure resources as you used to. But if you're not thinking about that, now you're carrying both costs. You need to be able to kind of pivot that and apply it towards other technologies that you adopt to help grow that cloud strategy and that cloud uh, roadmap. If you don't do that, then you're kind of stuck with like, holy smokes, my cloud bill's huge and I still carrying all these resources. This isn't saving me money. Some, some people aren't thinking like that and they got to kind of take those whole, you know, those blinders off a bit and look at it at a more broader perspective because yeah, your cloud costs may go up, but think of how you're going to shift your entire business, not just going from on-prem to cloud because that's not the point, right? I see. And Jason, we talked about the cloud. We talked about automation. Are there any other technology uh, that, uh, that you're, that, that you wanted to discuss today about sort of what people should be thinking about? We talk about automation and automation, um, I think Paul touched on this too. It, it, it can be from, you know, workflow basically, introducing just a workflow to, you know, adopting AI and ML to make predictive analytics going, right? And everything in between. You got to work with the customer to figure out what it is that they really need, right? Do, do they need, the latest and greatest AI kind of set of tools and algorithms? Uh, most cases, no, it, it's simply workflow automation that they need, right? Um, and so I, I do think automation is, is a big topic that people you know, need to consider. Um, and uh, you know, definitely that's one way to help streamline a business and, and you know, make it more efficient. For sure. And Paul, I'll just throw this out to you in terms of the whole world of AI is everywhere. Is that is that something that is sort of the way forward that and more AI is going to be implemented into anything we do from a business perspective? Yeah, I mean, and Jason is probably uh, uh, closer to this on a daily basis. But, uh, you know, we're looking at how we build AI into uh, um, the offerings that we provide from a solution basis, right? And in, in some ways, I don't think of it as separate. It, it is one and the same. Um, if we want to get the value out of uh, the automation or the the uh, newer uh, applications, um, it has to have an intelligent component to it, right? And that's right up to what they call the edge, right up to the device level. So it shouldn't have to go back to Mother Google <laughs> to get figured out, right? Um, so uh, yeah, I think it's been built in. Um, you know, I think there's going to be some waste there. Uh, in some cases, the uh, AI that's built uh, uh, won't be you know, mission centric, um, but that's part of the art of us uh, advising the client, right? So what do you think the last year has taught businesses about the importance of their IT infrastructure, what they need to do? Again, it's going to be hard to predict another COVID, but how has this sort of put the spotlight on solid IT infrastructure? Yeah, I, I guess you could look at it two ways. Uh, you know, they need, right now, IT infrastructure, they needed, uh, and in the 
early days of, of COVID, uh, a way to access their workstations and their uh, their data centers uh, remotely, right? Um, so that's part of the IT infrastructure that they had to stand up very quickly. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then it's around where do you store your data and and uh, how do you do your, uh, where is it best to do your maintenance on your, or host your applications? And that's where we've seen a shift more uh, towards thinking about the cloud more, right? And I think, uh, you know, I, there's obviously still a place for on-premise uh, uh, infrastructure. Um, and, you know, a lot of what we're talking about now is sort of the hybrid, <laughs> the hybrid approach. There is danger in the hybrid approach, of course, because uh, it's sort of a gawky teenager uh, sort of middle um, where there are still costs around your on-premise and, and, uh, and perhaps you're not able to uh, manage the integration as well as you want to. But that's, you know, that's obviously where you get a, a advice and expertise in to help you do that. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're fortunate that we live in a day and age today that we've got pretty awesome technology and infrastructure in place, you know, throughout the world. Um, really, it's about, for me, you know, we need to start to look at um, a holistic solution in terms of how we leverage those technologies more. Um, and the bigger the, the enterprise, the customer you are, my recommendation is kind of standardize that a little more. Uh, I see a lot of custo yeah. customers, including companies like ourselves. I mean, we use multiple platforms for communication and multiple platforms for storing data. And, you know, yeah. it's a lot easier when that's all one kind of strategic initiative that's, that's standardized across the, the organization. So that's one. The other thing is, you know, the pandemics taught us that, hey, these things are going to happen. And, and you know, if, if you're a betting man, like it's going to happen again. So, you know, all the COVID-19 stuff that's been built, amazing. We tend to look at it more as can, can we build these things for pandemics in the future? Um, not just COVID-19, right? So. Right. Yeah. I guess a lot of companies have always talked about things like disaster recovery and business yeah. continuity. And I guess, I guess now this proves that those who had those things as part of their work culture really, I want to say, got through this a lot easier than others. But those two things have, have, uh, are really important, aren't they, Jason? Yeah, and I don't think people looked at, like, now we're starting to look at it at a totally different perspective and lens, right? Because to me, uh, BCP and disaster recovery plans were about hardware failures and electrical out, outing, outs, outings and, and things like that. Now we're looking at it as, okay, what happens if the world shuts down, right? What happens if we're on lockdown? What, now, now you got to adjust all those plans to include things like this. Um, and I, th I think, you know, knowledge is power and it's going to kind of help us round out that strategy a little bit, a little bit better for, for everybody. Right, Paul. I'll let you add on to that. Like, have have you had over the last year discussions with clients who are like, "Oh my God, I should have had these plans in place before." Not to say that they could plan for the pandemic, but the whole idea of disaster recovery and business continuity. It, are those discussions sort of were those uh, going on throughout this pandemic for you? Yeah, it's funny because I think most people sort of said, "Oh, there's." You know, there's no way we could have guessed this, and and the funny part is that we could have, especially in uh, in early January when we saw what was happening in in Wuhan, right? Um, and uh, and so you know, I think that's what it starts coming down to is, 
uh, is even at the board level, but but uh, at the executive level, is how you're how are you doing your scenario planning, and uh, what are you doing around your enterprise risk management? Right, you know, is it is it worth putting more money towards this? Probably a lot of folks would be saying yes now, and uh, whereas before, like uh, like Jason said, uh, they paid lip service to it, right, and it, it really did come down to things like. Uh, where there were power outages, you know, or do you have uh, another site to uh, to go to that you can stay up and, and running, right? But uh, it now nowadays, it's right down to your business model. What happens when X happens, right? So, uh, and I think that, like Jason said, I think that's a really good thing because uh, hopefully we're, we'll come at things in a smarter way. When we look at uh, companies starting to look at their technology investment in the future, Paul, what advice do you have for these companies when it comes to investing in technology and safeguarding their other companies going forward? Yeah, I, I mean, typically my advice is uh, pick one. <laughs> like Jason said, uh, often they'll get into uh, a deep analysis around uh, sort of 20 different platforms or software. And, and often it comes down to one or two and they sometimes get stuck. <laughs> And I, my, often my advice is pick one uh, because, you know, each platform software will have its pros and cons. And if, if it's not evident to you which one is the right one, then probably either one could more or less work for you, right? So, uh, and it's the worst thing that for initiative and for uh, getting your employees aligned to a mission and a goal is uncertainty and, and just not knowing what to do, right? So I, I typically move towards, just move forward all around uh, a selection. And, and if you can build in off-ramps, you know, a lot of, that's another great thing about a lot of uh, the, the new digital technologies is that, uh, you know, companies do abandon technologies uh, um, over our over time, but even right away if it's not working, and that's another mind shift that we have to get into is that uh, you know if it doesn't work, then shift it, pivot, <laughs> right? And and there'll be another technology that you'll be able to look at uh, that might meet your needs, and you'll be smarter about it, right? So uh, anyway, so yeah, I think that's probably my key advice around around this right now is uh, move forward. Yeah, I guess the big word of the year is the pivot, right? Everyone's used that word a lot this year, yeah. but. Ace, and I'll, I'll throw this out to you in terms of advice for companies when it comes to future technology investments and how they, um, uh, I don't say ensure, but plan plan for success around technology. It's a relevant question that you ask because, you know, just in the last week, I've had so many conversations about new technology adoption and, and you know, advice on where, where customers should be taking their businesses and, and their technology investments. And one question that I pose to the to the customer always is, are you guys a technology company, right? Is that what you're going to be? If you're not, partner with a technology um, company to help you execute these. There's a lot of amazing products and platforms out there to leverage, but unless you have that strategy in place, some of these things will collect dust. Um, you know, you won't be fully leveraging it to its full potential. My advice is focus on what you do well. If it's build a product, offer a service, do that. And then partner with a technology group that can help you uh, enhance that by leveraging technology. I think, I think that's important to know. Um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to pitch MMP services there. Um, it's just, I find so many times customers try to do the, do it themselves and uh, they get bogged down in the weeds. They get bogged down in, you know, flavor of the month. Um, 
they don't know how to execute it fully to its value and and, and having someone that that knows all those dark hallways and tunnels right um because we've done it before that that's really important to to get you to market faster yeah uh paul what role does technology play in in deciding what partners to go with or what markets to pursue um like our company is going to look at other partners technologies to make sure they're congruent with theirs just in case there are future pandemics uh, there is, uh, I mean, that's why a lot of the large enterprise solution vendors have industry solutions, right? Is once you've done a rollout to oil and gas company, you can more or less do it again. <laughs> and hopefully you can do it at a lower cost, right? So, yeah, you know, I think there is a certain benchmarking or um, porting over of, of where people are, are making investments. And it's partly to do with competitive advantage, partly because every competitor has some bleed through of staff and leadership. And <laughs> so uh, I have often heard, oh, this is what we do in our other, or this other company that I was at, we should do the same thing, right? Yeah. So definitely there's that. I, I do think, um, you know, it depends on the vision of the, of, the, of the leadership and on the type of industry. You'll find some that are more leaders that want to try out new things uh, that have uh, a greater focus around uh, sort of uh, being on the forefront. And there are other companies that are sort of laggards and they adopt things kind of at the, when it really is mature and, and uh, as low risk as they can, right? So uh, again, it sort of depends on on where and who the organization is. But, uh, right. you know, in general, we do see shifts in industries generally uh, around uh, some of these tech trends. And uh, you'll see some industries that are starting to really adopt uh, a technology and others, other industries that, that are pretty slow at it. Right. right. So, yeah. And I'll, I'll leave you with the last word just to follow up on that. Does technology have a more important role now in the future because of what we're going through when it comes to companies seeking out uh, an M&A activity? Does technology make a difference when people look at expanding or growing their business through acquisition? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was, I, I'm, I'm relatively new to M&P as, as part of an acquisition as well, too. And so definitely when, when, when we were being looked at, you know, some of the criteria there is how easily can we uh, transition or, or, or amalgamate the, the two different technology platforms that were being used, right? Financial reporting, timesheet, project management, repository, all that stuff has to somehow get transitioned and the sooner you can do that, the, the, the smoother things get quicker. Definitely a, a huge thing to consider is, is, is what technology platforms have been adopted, what technology platforms are there. You know, a, a good reminder that we should always be kind of building and designing platforms that, that are somewhat decoupled so that you, you can plan for some of those changes to happen. And, and a lot of our big technology partners are, are recognizing that and starting to build it, like, like Paul said, in, in a way that we can plug into competitors, partners, other ecosystems, you know, a lot more easier. Um, and understanding that is, is important and, and having that vision to, to say, you know, this could change in the future. You know, am I, am I stuck on this technology platform right now? Um, is there a plan to, to roll off this eventually or not, right? And having that vision and, and understanding of where trends are going uh, is really important to have. Jason and Paul, thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed our conversation and I know our audience will find your insights and experiences 
informative and useful as they continue to explore ways to innovate through technology investment. Okay, thanks, Paul. Stay tuned for future episodes of Business Insights brought to you by MNP. Please check out mnpbusinessinsights.ca to listen to other episodes of our podcast and to learn more about the impact COVID-19 has had and is having on Canadian businesses from coast to coast.